Old Testament reading comes from Genesis 1, 1 through 5, the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The first day. Okay. Okay, please help me. One through eleven. Okay. One through eleven. Dead to sin, alive to God. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we know? Wait. Yeah. By no means. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in newness of life. For if we have united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of our sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you... So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. The gospel reading comes from Mark 1, 4 through 11. And respect to the gospel, please rise. Thank you. John the Baptist prepares the way. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore leather belts around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The The baptism of Jesus. In those days there came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased.
first of all, let me commend Wyatt. What a, what a great, uh, uh, great recovery. <laughs> and I, I commend you, Wyatt, not only because you read so well, but because you knew where these books of the Bible were. <laughs> I'm not sure everybody here would have been able to do the same, so great job. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, today is the first Sunday of this new calendar year. But in the church year, today is really the first day of Epiphany. It's the 13th day after Christmas. Yesterday, the 12th day of Christmas, Epiphany. It's the day that we recall uh, the wise men coming to uh, visit the baby Jesus, wherever Jesus was at the time that the wise men finally came. But it was uh, that event that, that makes that day special for us. In fact, in some parts of the world, Christians celebrate Christmas on Epiphany Day in the Eastern uh, Orthodox Church, for example. The baptism of Jesus then always follows the first Sunday after Epiphany, whenever Epiphany is, the first Sunday after is the baptism of Jesus. And that's why the, the scripture readings were up there that were. And Wyatt, I think, had the scripture readings for Epiphany Day, about the light of Christ now shining forth to the world for everybody to be able to see, not just Jews. Jesus was born not just for the Jews, but for Gentiles also. And wise men coming from the East marks that fact for us. And of course, that becomes an important day because we are Gentiles for whom Jesus was born. And, and so we, we celebrate the season of Advent now uh, until Lent comes. But you know, ever since it happened, the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River has caused a lot of discussion and debate. Why should Jesus be, be baptized since he was sinless. What meaning or significance does his baptism have? And maybe most of all, what effect does it have on our baptism, if any? Now, traditionally, we've answered those questions by saying that Jesus begins doing the work of being the savior there at the Jordan River substituting himself for us. Just as he came to be with us in the flesh and blood of, of a human body there at Christmas, he now comes to be with us through the waters of baptism, by being baptized, taking our sin upon himself there, giving us instead his righteousness. Sometimes call that the great exchange. By being baptized, then Jesus makes our baptism the powerful and and saving means of God's grace to us, that it is. I would not dispute those answers. I wonder, though, looking at Mark's rather brief account of this event that was read in our gospel lesson here this morning, I wonder whether there isn't more involved. Mark writes, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, out of the water. A phrase, by the way, which has nothing at all to do with claiming that Jesus must have been immersed. Purpose for which Mark includes this phrase, out of the water, may very well be to tell us something about water and about the necessity of 
Jesus and also us passing through water. In other words, as necessary as it is for baptism to, to take place and be in water, he, he would be saying, our entrance into God's kingdom is equally an out-of-water experience. Before God first created, on the first day of creation, light, you notice, if you recall that Old Testament reading in Genesis 1, the Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Already waters were in existence. And just like light, and, and as basic and common as light is and so easily taken for granted, so also water. I mean, it's everywhere, isn't it? Three-fourths of the world's surface is covered by water. We use water for drinking, for cleaning, and just about any other use that we put it to. If you'd squeeze your body hard enough, you'd discover that it's made up mostly of water. In fact, for the first nine months of life, our bodies were formed in water. We had to pass through it in order to be born. Scientists tell us that, that leaving the water in the womb is the most traumatic event that we'll ever go through in life. Fortunately, we were not aware of that fact when it was taking place. Be that as it may, though, birth into life on this earth is an out-of-water experience. And no doubt Jesus had that, that concept in mind when in John chapter 3, he was explaining to the Pharisee Nicodemus the deeper mysteries of spiritual birth into God's kingdom. You must be born again, he said, born of water and the Spirit. It was baptism he was referring to there, passing through the water in a way that, that is even more extraordinary and life-forming than natural birth. It would seem that the, the history of God's creating and saving activity in this world is one of birth, passing through water and then entrance into life. Mentioned already that the earth back in Genesis chapter one was born through water on the second day of creation. God separated the waters that were above and the waters beneath to create land. Six chapters later in, in Genesis, Noah and his family were born again through water. As St. Peter in the New Testament talks about uh, using that as an example of baptism, he says Noah was saved by the very water that destroyed the world, saved because it floated the ark that saved him. And in the same way, he says, baptism now saves us. And in fact, the great salvation event of the Old Testament is based on passing through water. God delivered his people Israel through the Red Sea waters into a life of wilderness wandering. And finally then, into the promised land through the water of the Jordan River. Under Joshua's command there, Joshua or Yeshua in Hebrew, the name that Jesus means in English, Jesus 
Israel came up out of the water there and was born again as God's new covenant people. So it was really no accident, was it, that it was at the Jordan River, near Jericho, where Israel had crossed 1,500 years before, that the one who was to begin the new Israel of Jew and Gentile by faith came to be baptized. John the Baptist was calling Israelites out into the wilderness again. Repent, he was preaching. Die to sin. Die to self. Prepare to pass through the waters again, to be born again to live. Now, for his Jewish audience, there are people who were coming out of Jerusalem in the Judean countryside, it would be really a very traumatic event. They were God's chosen ones, after all, whose ancestors already had been baptized in the Jordan. Ceremonial baptism from then on was not required of Jews, but just Gentiles who wanted to embrace the God of Israel. And then to this, this birthplace of labor pains and cries of not wanting to go through with it, comes Jesus. Sinless Jesus, who didn't need baptism. But, as our substitute, he now takes our place under the law, under the requirements of the law, to keep what we couldn't keep. He takes our sin, and as the worst sinner this world has ever known, presents himself before John for baptism. So yes, Jesus needed to be baptized. It was just one more, one more prop that needed to be knocked out underneath him, from underneath him, on his way to the cross. But he came up out of the water. Out of the water, fulfilling all righteousness, as he would say in Matthew's account of this event, and leading then his new Israel into the promised land. Coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. You know, in Old Testament Israel's darkest years, the prophet Isaiah had written of the Lord, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Well, at his baptism, God did just that. God came down and is now with us, alongside us, to save us and to lead us through the water. Father's voice that day said it all, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. What kind of a Christ do we have standing there on the shores of the Jordan River? I mean, quoting Two Old Testament prophecies here, the first from Psalm 2, the Father identifies Jesus as the King whom I have installed on Mount Zion. You are my Son. And then quoting from Isaiah's servant song, chapter 42, the Father further identifies Jesus as my servant in whom I delight. With him I am well pleased. Jesus, the Son of God, the servant king. 
out in this remote wilderness by means of common water, and, and really probably dirty water at that, God identifies his Christ, his new Joshua, as the king who becomes a servant so that he can lead us out of the water and into life. You know, looking at it that way, the water of the Jordan River has as much to say as the cross of Calvary about God's love and his forgiveness and eternal life in the promised land of heaven. But what does this baptism of Jesus that he went through have to do with our baptism? What, is, what does it have to do with Marie's baptism, which we just witnessed here a few moments ago, and, and your baptism? I would guess most of you remember the water crossing of your baptism about as well as you remember passing through the water at birth. But that doesn't change the reality. Our memory, our efforts, our decisions don't bring about our birth into God's kingdom any more than the, they bring about our birth into this world. And for that matter, do you remember standing at the cross of Jesus on Good Friday? Or in the empty tomb on Easter? But you were there. When? You got it. When you were baptized. Did you hear St. Paul this morning in our epistle? We were buried with Christ by baptism into death. Your baptism transported you back through time and space and connected you to Christ. When he died, you died, drowned in the water. So that, as Paul continues, so that like as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Coming up out of the water, we catch our spiritual breath and we live. So it was that day when you stood in the Jordan River. Yeah, you too were there. Like Old Testament Israel, you entered the promised land through the waters of the Jordan River. We who are God's Israel, his chosen ones today, we have a, a connection, you see, or a corporate identity with those believers of old whom God once saved. We were rescued from the Egyptian bondage of sin and death. Saved by God through the Red Sea waters. He tied himself to us in that, that Sinai covenant relationship, guiding us through a lifetime of wilderness wandering, bringing us at last to our rest in the promised land, an inheritance undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Ironic, isn't it? Where we begin life is also where we end it. In baptism, passing through the waters, 
at the place where Jesus began to fulfill all righteousness for us. Our baptism connects us to Old Testament Israel. It connects us to New Testament Israel, to, as we confessed a moment ago, to the Holy Christian Church, to the communion, the community of saints. We are one in this family of Christ. More so, though, baptism connects us to Jesus, who leads us through life. Baptism is a, a water-crossing event as much as it is a cleansing from sin. Martin Luther reminds us of the significance of baptism when, when he says that it should daily cause us to uh, drown the old Adam by contrition and repentance, and so that daily a new man might come forth and arise who can live before God in righteousness and purity. By God's grace, we are here today on the other side of the Jordan, with our feet firmly planted on the solid rock of Christ. In our wilderness wanderings, as we go from day to day, and especially as we encounter the troubles of life, remember your baptism and the one who stooped low enough to join you there and to lead you through its water. Not even death, not even death. You know, life's other traumatic event. Birth in reverse, you know, and an out-of-body experience. But not even death can destroy our hope. The, the Easter hymn says it well. Death's flood has lost its chill since Jesus crossed the river. We've had an out-of-water experience that has changed our life. We now live in an out-of-this-world existence. We'll never be the same. And nobody can take that from us. May then the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you daily recall your baptism into Christ. Amen.